Welcome to Beyond by Wings, the business side of dentistry, brought to you by Edwards & Associates PC. Join us as we discuss how to build your dental practice, optimize your income, and plan for your future. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Edwards & Associates PC is not rendering legal, accounting, or professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information that is shared. At Edwards & Associates PC, our business is the business of dentistry. For help or more information, visit our website at enassociates.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Beyond Bite Wings. In today's episode, we will be talking about dental office management. And to talk further about the subject matter, we have a very special guest. Her name is Lynn Leggett, who is the CEO and founder of Victory Dental Management. Hello, Lynn. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am doing fantastic. It's a great time of year. Oh, always. I'm a big fan of this time of the year. And why would that be? What, what's so special about this time of the year, Lynn? Oh, it is all about March Madness. I <laughs> love <laughs> It's all about basketball right now for me. Nice. So I understand you're a basketball coach as well as a, a dental coach. I am. So I, I am known for that. And, it, you know, in the beginning, it was really interesting. I did not talk a lot about basketball. And then everybody said, well, what makes you different from everybody else out there? I said, well, I actually know how to coach. I've done this for over 20 years. And they're like, wait a minute, what? What have you done? So I have embraced my um, my coaching experience, whether it be coaching basketball for over 30 years or being a strategic business coach for that length of time as well. That it's for me, it's the method of teaching others is coaching. Well, I think most dental teams are about the size of a basketball team anyway, so I'm sure you can relate. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, well said. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So to talk about today's episode, I know that the top three things that you may tell your clients is uh, about setting goals for the practice and making a true team. And then finally to optimize communication strategies. Now, I know that's just on a broad level, but I'm sure there's like way more to those bullet points. So how would you elaborate on them? That can be helpful to our listeners. Oh, wow. Well, you know, I think one of the things that really is foundational to any success of any dental practice of any size is making sure that you have a true team and your foundation is strong. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that, you know, I'm asked to come in and work with different clients on, on different levels, but it's that core, how do you create a team out of employees? Because employee behavior is not the same thing as team behavior. And I've always heard Dennis say, well, I've got a great team. I'm like, that's wonderful. I'm glad to hear it. But what does that make you? Mm -hmm. What do you call the leader of the team? And, and they look at me like, you know, deer in the headlights. I said, that makes you the coach. So how do you coach your team? And the response has always been, I've never thought of it that way, Lynn. And one of the things about teaching that with, with clients for those three bullet points that you mentioned is being able to understand something as vague sometimes as leadership, because we know the dentist, their happy place is in the operatory. And mm -hmm. we all know that. And it's the all the other stuff about running a business that is not their happy place. So when I talk about leadership and working with their teams, if I can make that easier for them to understand, that's what I'm all about when I start working with a client. So 
if you talk about communication, if you look at your team from a coaching standpoint, then it then it puts leadership in its proper perspective. It gives boundaries. It gives structure to something that they're not used to having structure with. So that that's one of the things that I want to start off with with any client is making sure that that foundation mm -hmm. is strong because you can't go forward and talk about roles and responsibilities or goals or KPIs or dental, different metrics that you want to measure until you make sure, is the team solidified? Do they understand their role and responsibility? And then you can grow from that point. I see. Do you feel like that most of your coaching is directed at the, um, at the doctor or at the team? It starts off more with the doctor to see what their leadership style is because I want to make sure that, that that if there's any competency issues with that, that we discuss that to begin with, because sometimes they, they just wing it. They're not really sure about what they're doing. And you can't create a plan just by winging it. And I want them to be comfortable in everything that they do. And because we know dentists love to plan because they spend tons of time planning their cases for their patients. I want them to spend a lot of time on the non-clinical side of planning as well. And that's where that's where I come in or help them see it from a different standpoint, because most of the stuff that happens within a practice is going to be culture related, communication related, or something that could have been planned and avoided. It's just the proper preparation and planning didn't take place on the front end. And, and how do you see this coaching translating into higher collections in a dental practice, because basically that's what it's all about. I don't think you're going to find a doctor that's going to bring you in if they don't expect a return on their investment. So how does that work? How does that translate into dollars, bottom line? Bottom, and I love that question. Thank you for asking that. I think bottom line is a lot of things happen within a practice that can be very confusing. And I find either we do it this way because we've always done it that way, but that doesn't mean it's the best way to do it, whatever we're talking about, or, you know, I'm not sure what I'm doing, or isn't she doing that, or isn't he doing that? So when we have clarity of role and responsibility, then we can start truly having more accountability within the practice, understanding, you know, whose job is it really to talk about the recare process? Who's involved with that? What part of that process do you have? And pardon me while I take a little basketball moment to use that as an analogy, but if you're going to run a play, you know who's responsible for what when you're on the floor, whether it's offense or defense. The same thing can be said in the dental team because that's that's what I also speak about is overlaying a, a sports team over a dental team. When you have that kind of clarity of who's going to be doing what when, then all of the pieces fall into place or you find a team member that has other strengths that can be used in a different way within the practice so that you have you know the profitability at the end of the day so that your collections are better than they've been before or somebody's working a report like say an outstanding insurance report and actually completing it and seeing the whole process to the end so that things are collected and statements are sent to the patient and what happens when you find that you're working with a team and you find a football player on, on the basketball team. That's easy because I'll go with the analogy that works at the moment. The biggest thing is having the larger goal and can they see how the goal fits for the individual and for the practice as well, which comes back to the leadership of the dentist understanding 
we all need to be, if you will, rowing in the same direction, doing the same thing at the same time. If I find a football player and everybody else is a basketball player, then there's a problem with the culture and vision and everything being in alignment. And that's part of the foundational work that we do in the beginning to make sure everybody's on the same page. Because if the doctor has a certain perspective and the team, the majority of the team shares that, but maybe there's one or two that doesn't, then we need to discuss that. And we need to create all of those things together as a team. So everybody has buy-in and input. And then that's when we start seeing people come together, doing the same thing in the right order in the right time. Oh, so that's interesting that you mentioned that. So it sounds like you're talking about a collective culture, not just something that's set in stone. It's, it's a organic culture that can be changed along the way as the practice oh, is growing. Absolutely. Because the, the, t so let me back up for a moment and define culture the way that I define it. Cause mm -hmm. I think I may be a little unique with that. To me, culture is defined as what is acceptable or unacceptable when it comes to human behavior. And I find a lot of times people try to overcomplicate things or they have one word and that's the word of the year, you know, and it's culture. Okay, well, that's great, but what does that really mean? And how do you, how do you change that? How do you tighten that? What, what does that mean for your practice when you say culture? And that's why I define it that way. Because really, if you think about it, everything we do in the office is directly tied to the culture. So if, if a doctor is okay with somebody being late to huddle, that's going to be the culture in your office. It's okay to be late because I guess that's not important if they're not going to be caught out on that, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing on the basketball court. If, if you're the coach and you blow a whistle and you don't expect your team to run, you know, run directly to you when you blow that whistle, we got a problem. That, that's an issue, right? Mm -hmm. If somebody isn't paying that kind of attention, that's also the same thing in the dental office. When you're trying to create your culture, then that is something, I think it's a, almost like a living organism in a way because it's going to change a little bit, but the boundaries of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable, that will not change. And that's an exercise I do with all of my clients to make sure that we're all on the same we're all on the same page and the team actually agrees more than you think they will. It's just, nobody's taken the time to plan and actually sit down and write it out and say, you know, what are the behaviors? What side of the line does this go on? Does it go on the acceptable or the unacceptable? And when people start saying different words or phrases and we put it on either side of that page, then people start to see, oh, you know what? It's not okay if we gossip. It's not okay if we talk about somebody behind their back. Nobody wants to work in an environment like that because that's the reason why a lot of people are leaving or, or contributes to a lot of people leaving a practice. And we know turnover has all kinds of costs associated with it. So mm -hmm. why not set everything up to begin with correctly so we take away that opportunity or potential of something negative happening? And what would you say is your single biggest challenge at working with dental offices oh wow um i would say the biggest challenge i have is somebody truly coming on board and agreeing that this isn't just soft stuff and you know they always talk about soft skills versus essential skills talking about your vision and culture really is 
paramount to the success of your practice because that's the people part. That's the team part of your practice. We can teach metrics and we can teach all kinds of things all day long, but when you get down to the essence of it, it's the behavior of humans that we have to be concerned about and and they need everybody needs guidance. So the biggest challenge I find is tackling that in a practice. And sometimes it's the doctor not realizing how important it is. But once we go through an exercise and they see what kind of difference it makes, they're always a believer in that. You know, in my experience in working with dental offices and consultants is that the team in a dental office is very resistant to change and resistant to having a consultant come in because they sort of equate one with the other. They say, oh, here comes a consultant. What are we going to change now? And it's a negative comment. So how do you get around that? How do you win them over? I think part of that is maybe that's what their experience in the past is working with somebody that they just come in. and, And that's why I call myself a coach versus a consultant, because I believe a coach actually is one that asks the questions and the team comes together to answer it. I believe a consultant acts more like a uh, answers questions. It, it's it's more intense for me to get them the opportunity to think through the problem themselves and lead them to the solution by asking them the right questions. So I and that happens all the time, honestly. When I when I work with the practice that's worked with somebody in the past, and they I've never had anybody tell me that it wasn't refreshing working with me. And they were able to get more things done because I'm not a, I'm not going to shy away from any conflict that's happening. And it's very easy to tell when when you walk into practice when you've when you've spent as much time in practices like I have across the country. You you pretty much know what the issue is, but you're not sure exactly who the conflict is between. And once we are able to air things out again, not accusatory, but just discussing, hey, this. Is this how you want to do it? Is this how you want to do it? Let's work together as a team. Let's create all of these things together. And once everybody has that buy-in, then the walls come down and they allow themselves to be a little bit more vulnerable for the next conversation. And they realize I'm not there to replace them. I'm there to help them and enhance what they're already doing. And not everything is broken. I don't go into a practice saying, who am I going to fire? I hate that. That's not my style at all. If somebody isn't in the right role, I'll do everything I can to uncover somebody's strengths and put them in the right role because that nobody likes that. And that may have been somebody's experience in the past working with somebody else. But if that, that's not how I like to work with clients. Wow. I love that. And then, you know, what I'm also loving is that, you know, as soon as you walk in and you call yourself the coach, you're automatically tethering yourself to the team. You're not coming in as an external, you know, entity or a being that can topple their world down. And I think it makes it a lot easier to bring down those walls when you can connect with them as opposed to, you know, stay on the outside of of their close knit group. I couldn't agree more with you. And that's that's what I try to I try to build that consensus walking right in, not not saying that I'm the enemy. And it's easy for people to point and go, it's her fault. Well, is it really? Weren't these problems happening? And let, let's just talk it out. And sometimes once a doctor is willing to say, hey, 
you know, we need somebody from the outside coming in and, and looking at our operation. Where can we become better? You know, have we become stagnant? What can we streamline? All of those different questions, which are great, but I always go back to, do you have employees or do you have a team working with you? And I can make it fun and have that conversation and everybody laughs. Oh yeah, that was Susie because that's who, you know, that's what she used to do two years ago or, or whatever the case. And I, and I'm sorry to anybody in the audience that's named Susie. <laughs> I always tend to pick on somebody named Susie. I, I don't know why, <laughs> but I do. I thought we always um, used but, the, uh, the name Karen to denote those people. <laughs> oh yes. Okay. Well, my best friend's, her name is Karen. So I tend oh, not yeah, to say that bad. one, but, but I, I understand the premise. <laughs> So how do, how, do, how do people realize, or how do you help the doctors realize when it's time for change in the practice? For I mean, do they come to you, or, or do you actively market to them? How do you find clients? What is your ideal client? Several questions there. Take your time. <laughs> okay. I, I appreciate that. I would say on the first question, I do a lot on social media, and I have something, a newsletter that I create on a monthly basis called The Coach's Corner. So I've had a lot of clients find me that way because they'll they'll hear something or they'll read a magazine article that I've written and it and it piques their interest. And then they'll go to my website and they'll start uncovering more information about me. Or and I'm sorry, your second question. How do you, you know, seek out clients and then how do the doctor how do they realize it's time for a change in their practice? Do they realize that and they get in touch with you or do you talk to them and, and then light bulb comes on when you're talking with them? I think by the time they have reached out to me, they know that something, they need something, they're lacking something. They may not know exactly what that is. And that happens a lot. They may say, you know, I've looked at my goals. We're not attaining what I think is reasonable. And then they start doubting themselves. Are, are my expectations actually reasonable? And then they want to have, you know, a, at least a conversation to see what's going on. And the more we talk about things, the more I'll just ask different questions and, and trying to uncover exactly what's going on in the practice. So it, it really is a mixture of both. They'll they'll find me either through colleagues as well. I mean, I'm I'm I have a close knit group of colleagues that maybe my style of of coaching is different than theirs. And if they think that a client would work better with that, then they'll give me their information and and we'll meet and have a conversation or vice versa. You know, I'm, I may not be the coach for everybody, but I've got, I've got other people to rely on. And the thing most important for me is making sure that everybody is taken care of, because if you're reaching out for help, I want to honor that because that is a really big deal for somebody to say, Hey, you know, I don't know everything. And I need to reach out to somebody who knows something more about this than myself. I think a lot of times the doctors are willing to admit that, but you know, they're reluctant to spend the kind of money that a consultant will charge them without some kind of, you know, it's almost like marketing. It's an intangible and they're afraid to spend the money until they see the result, but you can't get a result until you spend the money. So, you know, how do you, because I would think that would be an objection of bringing you into is cost without a, a guaranteed return. So how do you speak to that when you're selling your services to a doctor? That does come up because they want to be able to say, okay, what, what are, what's a realistic expectation when you come in? And we'll talk about that because one of the things, if, when I first start with somebody, I do like to be able to uncover what's going on without any biases 
and be able to look on site and create a report for them to be able to see after the fact. Um, one of the things that I think differentiates me from other coaches out there within the dental space is the fact that when you work with me, everything has to be custom because I cannot treat you like any other dentist because you're not. You are unique. Your situation is unique. Your strengths and weaknesses are unique. So I don't get a client to sign a 12-month contract. I work specifically um, from a custom standpoint and help them with the, the top areas that they want to work on. And sometimes, you know, we work together for three or six months and then we take a break and maybe something else pops up and then we work together for another, you know, just a few months. So I think that's a big difference too, is realizing I'm not going to have to pay for somebody to be here for a year. Now, on the other side, I've worked with clients that have worked with me for over 10 years because they they want to have that safety net that they could call me and say, hey, you know, I need you. This popped up. And a lot of that happened over, obviously, with, with COVID and different things. Hey, what do I do? What happens now? That kind of thing. But half the time, I feel like I'm a therapist most of the time trying to help <laughs> doctors and, and their spouses and, and everybody in the family dynamic. So I actually enjoy that. I have some colleagues that that don't enjoy that too much. But but I, if I'm going to help, I want to be able to help everything. I want to be able to make a positive change in their life. And that is their livelihood. And, and I, I respect and appreciate that somebody would be reaching out for me to be able to help them with that because, you know, their practice is their baby. And so much is reliant upon them within their life, but also the life of their team members. Have you seen a lot more need for your services since the pandemic than before with all the turnover and all the staff problems that have been created? I would say it's it's been pretty, I'm very blessed. It, I, it's been pretty consistent for me for, for many years. During the shutdown and everything, I created a program uh, just to be able to keep teams involved with their practices and, and to keep everybody um, working together. So I wanted to create that for them because I knew that need was going to be there without knowing how long we were going to be shut down. So I find the practices that did not keep up with their team members and did not have regular communication were the ones that suffered more than the others. Uh, but turnover is such a problem, which goes back to leadership and coaching, because a lot of times when you're organized on the non-clinical things, then that it takes the question out of all of out of your day-to-day -day operations if everybody knows what's expected because that's really where a problem is right mm -hmm. is accountability within the team if somebody feels like they have to do everything then something's wrong it shouldn't be that way everybody has equal share of what they need to do it's just taking a hold of that and helping them create that plan for it to be written down so that when they do have to hire for whatever reason then they have something tangible to show a new hire. And that has wowed every single person that's applied uh, at any of my clients that's worked with them because they realize you've taken the time to write all of this down. Oh my gosh. And when they write it down, what we call it is a leadership game plan. And within that, they understand how everything works within the practice and what's in a lot of people's heads are down on paper. And then they realize I'm really applying to be a part of an organized team and it makes all the difference in the world. Wow. That's amazing. That really is amazing. I mean, you know, 
I'm understanding that there there's a certain level of importance towards transparency, inclusiveness. And, you know, one other thing that you mentioned earlier as you were speaking was uh, about consensus, right, with the whole team member. And, and, you know, it's not really coming off to me as a surprise because, you know, you call yourself a coach, not a consultant. And you also mentioned how, you know, it's not just the people on payroll, but also the other members that are involved with the business. So, for instance, the family members, you know, what's the work-life balance like? And during COVID, you know, was the owner, you know, in touch with the employees, you know, uh, just to have a better relationship. And that really, really is amazing. And I can see why that would be seen as such a benefit of going about things these days because there's a real relationship there. And again, that game plan, that leadership game plan that we're talking about, you know, again, the big thing, the big key item that I can think of is transparency because oftentimes, you know, what happens within a team and something that I also hear from my clients is that, you know, oh, you know, right now I just lost this person. So either I'm going to hire someone, but the salary rates have gone up. So maybe I can just cross train my existing employee and do that without communicating it with them first. And then slowly what happens is that, you know, this person who's been with them since startup uh, just quits and maybe takes one or two other employees with him or her. And they could be on the verge of burnout and other things because you keep, you know, in that in that particular situation, when you keep adding more and more things with more items, less people, that's what's going to happen. And if they don't feel appreciated And if all of those things don't come together and, you know, it's that lack of communication. Whereas if the dentist were to look at it as a coach, they will have already been talking about these things. Plus one thing I want to make sure that I I bring across is the doctor or the owner is the head coach, but that doesn't mean there's not an assistant coach in the practice. The office manager could be an assistant coach. If there are a lot of team members, then your leads could be assistant coaches. It's it's all about the framework of how you want to design this. But one of the reasons why I always wanted to look at things from a, a coach's standpoint is I'm taking something that dentists already do naturally, which is education and encouragement. The difference is they usually use those two things with their patients. I want them to start using that with their team members. And that's what a coach does. So I'm asking them not to really change everything that they do, but to use their natural abilities in order to lead people in a way and a framework that they've never thought about before. Because not every dentist has played a sport, but you know what a coach does. That's all I'm asking is create that framework. Or I, I work with a client that said, you know, Len, I am so not the athlete, but I participated in marching band. Okay, we can go with that analogy. So that makes you the director. However you want to talk about it, I change my lingo to fit the dentist in order for them to understand how all of the pieces of the puzzle fit together. Mm -hmm. So if you're not an athletic person and you don't like the idea of coaching, we can can make it fit to where you understand it. Because at the end of the day, that's the most important thing is that they understand it. And it's that framework that's going to help them do all of this other non-clinical stuff that they never like to do. Is there a particular size of practice that uh, is your ideal client or what do you look for in a, in a client? The biggest thing I look for in a client is their willingness to work and their willingness to say, you know what, I'm, I, I'm willing to try. Because if, 
if you work with me, you're, you, you already know how, you know, I've already explained how I work with different clients. So the first thing is really, are, are you willing, is this something that you think this will work for you? Because right from the beginning, I don't ever want there to be a mismatch because if, if I'm not their style of coach or if they're looking for a consultant, I can certainly help them find one. My biggest thing is making sure that that match is a good alignment for everybody in the beginning. Okay, I think we're kind of running out of time here a little bit, but I wanted you to tell us about the book you've written. Oh, yes. Well, thank you for mentioning that. Um, it's called You Can't Coach Quit. Gee, imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> and it really does detail a lot of the things that we just sort of touched upon with during our conversation today. It goes into uh, more detail about leadership and really how to coach your team and what does that look like. And that can be purchased on Amazon. And is it uh, easily readable or is it 450 pages long? Is it going to take a, a month to get through it? Tell, tell, tell the clients how they could uh, get through it in a record amount of time. <laughs> that was the whole goal of creating it. It is a whopping 56 pages, extremely easy to read. And within it, I've even created um, coaches tips so that they could be looking at things and if they really want the Reader's Digest version of looking at it, or the Cliff Notes, if you will, for those that still remember what Cliff Notes are, uh, maybe I'm aging myself when I say that. Maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> well, I remember um, what they are. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, the Cliff Notes are the uh, the coaching tips. So I, it really does have some, I think, some great information in there that helps them with with those items that they may be struggling with. And if they read your book, they'd probably get some insight into your methods and uh, your methodology as well, right? Absolutely. Good. Yes. And you also said you have a newsletter? I do. It's called The Coach's Corner. And if you're interested, you can sign up um, for that on my website, which would be at victorydentalmanagement.com. You can go to the contact page and sign up um, for my newsletter as well as to get in touch with me as well. Fantastic. Well, it was such a pleasure to have you here with us today, Lynn. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for being here. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to subscribe to Beyond by Wings on your favorite podcast platform. For more information, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Or reach out to us on our website. You can also shoot us an email at info at eandassociates.com.